3: Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything.
4: Ron and Anian. It was that kind of a week. I was doing a lot of things upside down and backwards, um, which I'm sure a lot of you can relate to because sometimes it seems that's how your week goes, right?
5: The Car Doctor. Most mechanics tell me the OBD-61 system was worthless. Well, it wasn't
4: It wasn't as high-tech as the OBD-2, but you know what? I can't sit on my rear end and say, well, it's not OBD-2. I can't diagnose it. I'm a mechanic. That's what I'm supposed to do.
0: Welcome to the radio home of Ron and Anian, The Car Doctor. Since 1991, this is where car owners the world over turn to for their definitive opinion on automotive repair. If your mechanic's giving you a busy signal, pick up the phone and call in.
4: The garage doors are open. But I am here to take your calls at 855-560-9900. And now, here's Ronnie. Hey, we've got another busy hour of car doctoring for you today as uh, we're going to talk about a lot of different things. We've got Horesh Gobin of LaunchTechUSA.com coming in around the bottom of the hour to talk about batteries and uh, testing batteries and some of the changes in that technology. We've got the phones rolled it up and backed up. And uh, right now, I just want to say a quick couple of words about something that happened in the shop this week. It was an interesting commentary, and I, I I, just want to bring up one point. So we looked at a car. We, You know, the car was way overdue for its oil change, and I'm not sure why. I think, Well, I know why. The husband's in trouble with the wife because Maggie kept telling Paul, bring it in, bring it in, bring it in. And, you know, he didn't. And it finally came in about five and a half, almost six months overdue. And I did the oil change, I did this one myself, and when I looked at it, I did my usual due diligence, walked around, kicked the tires, put it up in the air, wiggled everything, and did my usual look at everything, and uh, found three of the four ball joints up front are bad. The two uppers, the rubber boots are split, and the one lower on the right side, it, you know, when I wiggle the wheel, it's not supposed to go clunk. And then it needs tires, right? It needs uh, at least two tires, and I'd probably recommend four plus an alignment because now the car is unsafe. The two tires are worn down to the tread bars, and we're going into winter, and it's just not going to be a great time to be on the road with ball tires, right? It never is. And when I explained all this to the customer, her comment was, well, the car's going to have to wait till after I pay property taxes. And I understand that. You know what? If you don't have it, you don't have it. But by the same token, do you have it? All right? It's it's not, you know, and the point I'm trying to make is it's a safety thing. All right? We all, as human beings, we all have the ability to find it somewhere. We, we've got the ability to dig money out of the couch cushions when we absolutely have to. Bald tires and bad ball joints when the front suspension can fold under itself and the tires can lose traction and the car have an accident. That's the moment you go digging in the couch cushions. That's the moment when you go out on the credit card for more than 30 days if you have to because you've got to keep the car safe. I'm going to close it here. The story's not that much longer than that, and to talk any longer would be a rant, and I don't need to. I'm going to close it here and and remind all of you, and hopefully you're doing this as best you can in these tough times, that you're saving some money, right? You're putting away $100, $150, $200 a month as maintenance and emergency repair on the car, You know, on the water heater, on whatever something breaks around the house. You've got to have an uh uh-oh fund. If you don't have an uh uh-oh fund, uh uh-oh. And uh, we'll leave it there. So, Because safety knows no limit. There's no time frame. Like the song says, rust never sleeps and things can always happen and go wrong. So, and uh, enough said. Mike in Delaware, 09 Escape. Want to talk about transmission maintenance. Mike, welcome. You're on with the car doctor, sir. How can I help?
6: How you doing, Ron? I'm doing well. um, You had me a little concerned about your daughter's transmission, but I just... Well, what it is a two thousand nine Ford Escape two point five. What type of trans does it have? A transmission filter in it. Now I'm the second owner now. Thank goodness for the first owner. He written down everything that he had done to it on the back of the owner's manual, and he had the fluid changed at um, I think it was eighty thousand. Right. Um
4: uh, that should be that's likely an LV fluid vehicle. I'm pretty sure that's an LV. Uh, it's, it's either an LV or it's a it's a Merc Five. Um, oh, okay. I'm, I'm okay. trying. To rem- I'm trying to remember which one the square bodies were. But regardless, there's no filter that gets changed as part of normal maintenance. Eighty is a little too long. All right, in my, uh-huh. in my opinion, a lot of these fluids are fifty to sixty thousand mile fluids at best. At least, you know, it's sort of like. And this is a gr- this is a dramatic presentation, and I hate to say it like this, but I have to because I think it, it kind of shocks everybody. You know, it's like it's like you, you don't want to wait until you have cancer to try and straighten out your lifestyle. OK, I'm going to say right, I'm going right. to say it like that. All right. right you know, right. you want to you know, you, you want to live a clean, healthy life as best you can. Um, you know, you want to change the trans fluid. You want to do the fluids on a regular basis. You don't want to wait until you have the problem. You know, when the trans fluid is burnt, when the trans fluid, you know, has that has that smell to it and it's dark uh-huh. and you change it, it's already too late. All right, right. The right. damage the damage is done. And, right. you know, I told the story in the previous hour open today where I talked about the Honda that came in from Long Island that, that had a chattering torque converter apply at 35 miles an hour. You know, I looked at the fluid. The fluid had some stink to it, but it, it hadn't been overheated. It was just it was just worn out. Uh-huh. And, and trans fluid can do that. It loses its right. additive package.
5: Right. Um, right.
4: Did, did mom make chicken soup? Yeah. <laughs> okay. Did you ever, did you ever notice Mom's chicken soup? If, if she made it on Monday, by the time it got to Thursday, it just quite didn't change the same. It did, it right. did, it didn't taste the same, right? And then what'd uh-huh. she do? She yeah. added some more vegetables. She put some more noodles in it. She put in some fresh chicken, and you had chicken soup for another three days. Uh-huh. God, God right. I, hate, I, I hated a chicken soup week, and yeah. you know, but it, it's the same thing with trans fluid. It wears out. Now you can't put. Yeah. There's no additives you can put in trans fluid, so you change it. But in between the time you change it and, you know, it starts to fail, you're now causing damage somewhere else.
6: Uh-huh, yeah. So... Well, it, like say, it, it, it runs fine and stuff, but, right. you know, uh, I thought, he, you know, he changed it at... Uh, he'd written down like 80,000. I know you say 60,000. But should I go ahead and... Do you like the, the system where they... They flush the transmission, doesn't that loosen all the dirt then it, and they put the new back in, and it just recirculates back into the transmission?
4: Yeah, a transmission flush, to me, signifies or describes we're doing something under pressure. All right? Right, right. I I, I like to use the word exchange. Exchange is softer, all right? Exchange Uh exchange is kind of like a massage to your back. Versus uh-huh. getting a karate chop to the neck for an adjustment.
6: Yeah, All right? Okay.
4: Yeah, uh, right, you know it's a little softer. I like to let the fluid do the work. Listen, automatic transmission fluid, by definition and by design, is generally considered a high scrubbing, high detergent type of fluid. It will scrub uh-huh. away at varnish. It will help keep passages clean and so on. The danger—that's why we say the danger of you—you you change trans fluid that's never been changed on an older unit where the fluid's very beat up and the unit's right. heavily varnished, you're now going to break all that particulate off inside the trans, and where's it going to go? It's going to start to clog orifice and ports, and it's going to go all the places it shouldn't go, and that's why transmissions fail. Uh-huh. Uh, right. You know, I was telling this story to someone just within the last two weeks, probably with all the transmission work we've seen lately, and and I said, you know, I can count on one hand the number of times I've actually had a trans fail from fluid change, but it happens. Um, I still think it's something worthwhile. I still think it's something you want to do and put the odds in your favor. But if I'm really dealing with a dirty fluid, dirty problem like that, I'm going to do it gradually. I'm going to do, you know, if it's a if it's a six quart change and all I get out is three, I'm going to do three, drive it for ten thousand miles or maybe five thousand miles, bring it back, do another change, and let it gradually work its way through. It, it's I can't give you I can't give you a floor mat or a, or a profile of of how to do each one, Mike because they're, right, all, they're right. all different, um, uh-huh. you know, sometimes it's a gut call. And just, here, how's, uh-huh. here's how we're going to do it. I guess the best advice I could give you is, if you have any doubt, you know, go mild. Mild is wild, as we used to uh-huh. say when we were right, making hot right. rods, you know? Um, now,
6: now, Ron, what, what, does that transmission have a filter in it, or does it just... Basically, run off the got the metal uh, I, I believe, inside no, that gets all the dirt.
5: I
4: believe there's an internal screen, but it's not something you're going to change on a on a service call. You're only going to change right, it if you pull right. the trans out and split the case. Yeah. Okay, all right. So okay. it's, it's not something that normally gets changed. Uh You know, at the point where you would pull the filter out, you're pulling the trans out. So yeah,
6: it, yeah. it, it kind of doesn't uh, need it. Uh, Ron, got another question. I'll, I'll let you go and appreciate your help. Is um. You know, if I take it and get get it uh, changed again, what what do I ask them to put Ford transmission fluid back in it, or how would you say, say uh, I'm your customer, say Ron, I need transmission fluid. Hey, Mike, I need you, you to suggest? I need you to
4: change the trans fluid on my own line escape. Can you tell me uh-huh, Can you right. tell me what kind of fluid you're using because I want to make sure I want to make sure that we both understand. I need fluid that meets the manufacturer's specification. Right. Okay. okay. All right. Yeah. And the reason I say manufacturer, only because every once in a blue moon you'll get some weird car that's it's brand X and it's got a brand Y trans in it because that's uh-huh. just the deal they made in the back room of the bar that night when they said we'll sell you half a million <laughs> <Yeah>. transmissions. <laughs> yeah. um, right. You know. Right. But we, we want something that means manufacturer spec. All right. next okay. the, the next okay. time you're in the grocery aisle that has uh-huh. that has the motor oils and the trans fluids in it, start start right. start reading the back of the trans fluid bottles i've had you guys reading the back of engine oil bottles for years now read the yeah. back of the transmission fluid bottles and see what they say this one's ford this one's chrysler this one's gm uh okay. you know because they're all different you want something that meets the manufacturer spec bottom line right all okay. right sir
6: all right thanks a lot ron You're very
4: welcome mike oh and mike right, one, right. one more one more thing buddy if you have okay. it, if you have any doubt about what fluid that takes go look at the trans dipstick in 09 it should have a dipstick
6: It'll, uh-huh. it'll, yeah, it's it'll, got one. Yeah, yeah
4: it'll say it across the top of the dipstick or somewhere on the on the metal portion of the dipstick usually they tell you this takes type lv or type five or or what have you if you need a reference if not look in the owner's manual so you know what to look for when he starts to describe right. it to you at right. the service counter okay right okay all right mike all right. You, you be well be safe you're very welcome sir i'm running and in the car doctor i'm back right after this don't go away
0: Ron's number handy, 855 560 9900, for when you really need advice on your car. Here's Ron.
4: Hey, let's get over and talk to Frank in Illinois, 03 GMC. Frank, what's going on?
7: Well, thanks for taking my call, Ron. I purchased this 2003, has a six liter motor, 142,000, and I found it's got two issues. Okay. When you initially started up in the morning, Immediately, the bell goes off, shows low oil pressure. Go ahead and increase the RPMs to 2,000, about four seconds, and the oil pressure creeps up, the alarms go off. If I take it and drive it four miles to town, I have no more issues. Uh, The engine's warm, of course, and the oil's warm. If I don't, and I just let it back down from 2,000, let it sit there and idle, then 20, 30 seconds is doing it again. So we know GM and their old wisdom have moved them oil pumps. And if I was going to shoot in the dark with this problem, I would say maybe that oil pump has seals or old rings that are cold and letting the oil get by. But once the oil on that gets warm and the engine gets warm, maybe it's sealing or that. but I'm not sure. Here.
4: Yeah, it could be. Um, you know, I'd be curious if you started it cold and then shut it off and pulled the dipstick. I wonder if the oil that's in the vehicle, if it's going to show any signs of foaming you know aeration
7: I haven't tried that but I will do that
4: you know and then obviously the, and, and the simple thing we, as we begin the conversation is obviously you've checked oil level but I never want to assume right? oh yes just, you know but just yes you know, let's let's, let's <laughs> do the basics um, my other question is how do we know the adapter how do we know the sending unit's any good do we really have low oil pressure is there any engine noise do you hear valve clatter do you hear any any knock any sort of strange sounds from the engine
7: if you uh, let it idle back down and uh, the alarm comes back on, the bells ring, and you wait 30, 45 seconds, you'll start to hear them lifters talk to you.
4: Okay. So now the question oh, is, did. yeah, what, what sort of damage have we done? Uh, you know, and, and that now we know why somebody sold it. Uh, you know, they didn't want to go through <laughs> the pain. Um, I think the first thing I would do, you know, if, if if you're looking for an answer, obviously it's check level. We did that. I would... Take, go through the pain of putting an adapter on the oil filter housing and, and checking mechanical oil pressure all right okay you know if if the oil filters good at the at the filter uh, which I I, I don't sus- I, I suspect I suspect what you're describing to me is real all right that it's got a real okay. starvation problem but I just want to know I, Right. I, I, you know before I do open heart surgery I'm going to do heart rate and blood pressure all right if it's o- right. if it's okay at the filter, and for some reason, but I still get valve clatter and I start to hear a lifter noise, then I'm gonna think I've got a restriction or maybe I've got a spun cam bearing, something moved inside the motor. All right. But if I've got low mechanical pressure and lifter noise, then yeah, the first place I'm gonna go is to is to pull the pan and take a look at the pump. And then while the pump's down, take a look at the mains just to see do they show any kinds of wear. You know, a right. lot of a lot of times and I know this is a hard concept for everybody. When you start talking oil pressure, um, you know, you can put a pump in all day long. If you've got worn bearings or clearances inside the engine that have exceeded minimum, you know, they're just trying to fill a hole that just <laughs> it's like it's like you're constantly trying to fill a tire with air that's got a giant hole in it. It just doesn't work. Exactly. And and Exactly. Yeah. So, you know, I would take that approach. Um you know, it's easy enough if I'm not mistaken. I'm trying to remember, two wheel drive or four wheel drive vehicle. No, it's two wheel drive. Yeah, I think that's a pretty easy pan to come down. So, uh, you know, but I would I would caution you to do those steps, and then obviously before you take anything apart, see what parts are available, <laughs> because that's right. the, that's the next problem. Uh, you know, that's the next problem. You you can't get anything. I got to tell you, it's it's so hard working in the shop these days. You know, we order things a week out, ten days out, just to, and then once in a while we order things the same day, and it actually shows up. We're like amazed. Uh, you know, we think like God smiled on us that day, and uh, y- you know, it's just it's just getting harder. But those are the steps I would take. You know, and you, you you you've got a good head on your shoulders, I can tell just just talking to you, Frank. So you're you're in the right direction.
7: Right. And the other quick issue I've noticed it has dual tanks, and. The fuel gauge works good. I never filled the rear tank for a little while. You fill a front one, shows half full. So I was going to take a trip, so I filled them both. Gauge went to full. Went ahead and started on a trip and uh, got into another state. And then all of a sudden, it quit running. And so I pulled it over, and I tried the key, and I said, Hmm, sounds like to me it don't have fuel, but I'm showing half a tank. So I called and had them bring me a little fuel, and apparently the fuel in the rear tank is not transferring to the front tank.
4: Okay. So now, so basically the the rear tank never empties.
7: Right.
4: Okay. (laughs) So now you've got to get into, is the divert valve actually opening when you open it? This is actually a bigger problem than the oil pressure problem. right, or it's it's a little bit more to diagnose, okay? Um, You know, this is, is, can you, you know, does the divert valve actually open? Is it transferring fuel from one to the other? You know, you've got to kind of go through that routine. And for that, you're going to need a good solid wiring diagram and some basic steps. Um, I'll tell you what, if you send me the VIN, the 17-digit VIN, all right, which is is on the reg or in the title, however it is, um, send me an email ron at cardoctorshow.com i'll be glad to look uh-huh. up uh, you know we're, we're we're powered by mitchell uh in the shop and i'll be glad to take a look and see what kind of wiring diagrams we've got if uh, if i don't find it there we're also powered by all data in the shop and i can take a look there and i can get you a wiring diagram and uh you know we'll get you some information and see what that does for you so um wiring di- wiring diagrams it. are the roadmap. So, all right, kiddo, I got to go. I'm up against the clock, but do that, Frank. Ron at Cardoctorshow.com. Reach out. I'll be glad to help you any which way I can. Hey, coming up next, Turesh Gobin, Launch Tech, Launch Tech USA, talking about batteries and testing, how things have changed and what we can look forward to in the future. I'm Ron in The Car Doctor. I'll be back right after this. Don't go away.
3: Just the feeling of warm sand in between your toes and a fruity drink in your hand. The ones with the little umbrella. Refresh your home to feel like an all-inclusive vacation by getting Clorox Sentiva, Also available in grapefruit and lavender scents at a nearby retail store.
5: It was like a she was laying there. Moonlight dancing off
2: and
4: that's all right with me. Hey, hey, hey. Welcome back, listeners. Ron Anini and the Car Doctor. You know, the battery is such a vital component of your vehicle today, and uh, I thought it would be a good time to chat and talk about it with the folks over at LaunchLaunchTechUSA.com and our good friend Haresh Gobin. He's the product development manager over there, and they're developing new products all the time. And Batteries seem to be on their list, so uh, let's stop by and talk to Huresh today, is what I said to do. is uh, That's what we want going on. Haresh, welcome back to the show. It's good to have you.
2: Hey, Ron. Thank you. Thank you. It's good to be back on your show. How are you doing, buddy? I'm
4: doing I'm good. I'm doing well, if I can get the words out. You know, sound on radio is always so critical. Um, so, But uh, sometimes it doesn't work that way. So tell us, you know, a good battery. Let's just start with some basics. How important is a good battery to a modern vehicle? You know, and, and think of that in terms of, you know, something from today versus something 30 years old. How has battery technology changed and how much more critical is it to the car?
2: Yeah, battery technology has advanced where it's the nucleus of the car in this day and age. Uh, 30 years ago, you know, we didn't have much expectations of a battery. Just uh, crank and get it to start, you know, and be on the road. Um, the vehicle start and be on the road. But today, the va- the battery is at the center of all the technology. So. Our cars are basically an extension of our lives. Everything's wired up. Everything revolves around technology, sensors, um, gadgets. And the battery is the one element that keeps everything alive. It's
4: it's sort of like the center of the universe. Um, There's more modules now. There's there's keep-alive power, right? Um, uh, So battery reserve power is critical. And then what about start-stop technology? How does that affect the car today?
2: Um, the start step t- technology is very important because, um, there's dozens of starts per day and uh, the average vehicle performed, t- I would say anywhere from two to about 10. Right. Um, with the addition of ad- additional modules, there's more demand for this type of, t- um, battery technology. Right. And that's, like you just mentioned, to keep alive power.
4: Right. And now electric power steering. I mean, geez, everything, everything is electric. So, you know, when you start looking at the battery technology has changed and the demand on the battery has changed, how do you test a battery today?
2: Well, believe it or not, um, there are a couple of different ways to test a battery. Um, most shops do conductance testing, and um, they have a conductance tester, so that's basically a device um, that's... That's hooked up to the positive and negative terminals of the batteries, and you put in some information such as a cold cr- cranking amp, and you have a, a, a surface kind of surface voltage, uh, gives you kind of reading of the health of that battery.
4: Right. And then, and then you know that's a car- that's the old school carbon pile test method, correct? You know, right, that's another method. And and then yeah. there's that then there's that real old school method, which I kind of like too, about the the voltmeter and you turn the key to the run position and walk away and and you you can watch where the voltage is after, after five or ten minutes, right?
2: Yeah, and actually that is a very accurate um, um, methodology to test the battery. Um, the you're basically simulating the conditions of driving and running and putting load on the battery, so it right. gives you a real, real world scenario.
4: So, you know, we had carbon pile. We've got the idea of a voltmeter and loading it and then watching voltage. And then, I don't know, it seems like 15 years ago or so, the industry just kind of got away from the carbon pile load idea. We just went to other methods, mechanical or mathematical algorithms and, and, and so forth. How come?
2: The carbon uh, pile load tester uh, was not too dependable. It Used to break down a lot, and shops used to invest a lot of money into carbon pile load tester um, unit. So it was very expensive to repair, and then also didn't have that uh, the major crucial element of a printout that you basically deliver deliver that results to the customers. You know, to give them an idea of their battery. So right. that was one of the reasons, and I the shift has. Gone towards the conductance testing and the different devices, different portable devices due to convenience, um, portability, and expandability.
4: You know, you you mentioned portability and expandability. Talk about the BST 360, the new tool from Launch. You know, why did you know? First of all, why did you create the clamp? That clamp method, because that's what it is. It's it's really kind of amazing. I we use it in the shop, and it's just it's it's two battery clamps with a cable. And it works. Um, I think it's magic. So uh, talk about that for a second, because that's a completely new idea for battery testing that's working.
2: Absolutely. And it's an uh, evolution of the conductance uh, testers that have been around the last decade. So basically what we did there is we decided to just magnify the clamps and just have a positive and a negative clamp. the reason is everything syncs up, um, back to the technology, everything syncs up for the average consumer today with an application. Everyone has a phone. Um, most technicians have a scan tool. So we decided to to get away from the conduction test, testing device with the screen and the um, printer and everything, and we just synced it up with the technology app, such as the Launch X431 Pro scan tool or iphone or android um, app application and,
4: and then they're just using their windows computer whatever they're using as a printer or display screen and yeah it's it's because it works really well and the printout is nice you know the report so much information you know you, you can choose battery council um, institute and a bunch of other standards on how you want to rate the battery uh, to see you know does it have good you know is it a good battery or not um, but then some of the other information that it's providing down in there and then it gets into did I see, and I haven't done it yet uh, because the tool is new to us, but did I see that it does starter testing, too? Is that on there as well?
2: Yes, correct. Uh, one step further, um, after the initial battery test, um, with the crank of the vehicle, you can get a starter and um, charging system test. Right. Alternator test.
4: And and then... did so you're
2: able to, to use... Uh, the health all status of those other two components on the vehicle, the starter and the alternator. Right. Right.
4: And it does an alternator test as well. Correct. And, and then I was, you know, I was impressed. I mean, we used it on our, our launch scan tool. But, you know, then I was impressed because then there's an app. It, it goes right on my Droid phone. So you know, I don't need a, I don't need a scan tool necessarily to use it.
2: Absolutely. And that opens up the whole demographic. This tool is not only for a professional technician, um, while it suffices for a professional technician in the shop setting, it's also easy. Uh, it's easy to use for the average consumer, the average car owner. Or they could have it in their glove box and right,
4: right. Yeah.
2: battery t- or charging system test anytime they want.
4: And it's relatively inexpensive, I believe. Correct?
2: Yeah, we're running about uh, ninety-nine dollars retail. Really? Through one of our various distributors.
4: You know, I look at the technology that's there, and I would have. Bet dollars to donuts, it was a three hundred dollar tool. Um, well, you know that yeah, one
2: shocked
4: it. Yeah, it <laughs> really that really does because it's it's really amazing what that tool does for a hundred bucks. Um, I, I got to tell you, as a shop owner, the nicest part. Well, there's a lot of nice things about it, but one of the nicest parts is the fact that the print out and you get to hand the customer, you know, that piece of paper and go, hey, your battery was bad. You know, and here's the reason why, and the, the printout shows you that. So, well, yeah. you know, listen, we're in that age, right? We're in that age where everybody wants uh, uh, they want information. We're in the information age, obviously, and uh, testing the battery has now gotten uh, into in, into, <laughs> into this century. So, and,
2: and, and, you know, Ron, that's one thing um, that I think distinguishes us here at Launch. The Launch um, product development and product teams is we're also we're always looking to add value for. For the DIY segment and the average consumer, you know, right. with products, yeah, yeah. So, um, as you well, just mentioned, it's the free information age, and you know, we need it, and we need it at the tip of our hands.
4: Right, exactly. So, well, I think everybody, I think everybody can understand that, and uh, you know, it's 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 yeah, everybody, everybody will get a battery tester. Uh, Harash, where can the listeners find more information? The clock's gonna grab us real quick.
2: You can find more information at www.launchtechusa.com.
4: Cool beans. Horesh, we'll talk again, babe. Thanks, thanks for coming on the show you today. Sir. You're very welcome. it be pleasure. You're welcome. Ron and in The Car Doctor, I'll be back right after this. Don't go away. the car doctor here at 855-560-9900 keep in mind that phone number is 24 855-560-9900 if we're not on the air we're live on the network saturdays 2 to 4 p.m east coast time leave a message and tom ray executive producer chief cook and bottle washer we'll get you back and uh, get you in queue for the next live broadcast patrick illinois up next 14 camry and a soft brake pedal patrick what's going on here describe it
5: um so uh when I push on my brakes, uh, the the pedal doesn't go all the way to the floor, but it goes a good distance. Okay. And when I drive my wife's uh, twenty eighteen Honda Accord, man, you barely touch that brake pedal, and, and you can tell the brakes are hitting. Okay. Um, I had my brakes done by a mechanic uh, about a year ago, and I really didn't, you know, think anything of it. To me, it's just normal. Um, but when my wife drives it, she's like. I'm scared to drive your car because I feel like I'm going to hit something and I didn't know, if, you know, do they the brakes need to be bled? Maybe they didn't bleed them or um the fluid is at the max level? Okay. Um I, I don't know what else to check on there. All right.
4: So let's let's talk about this. Are you the original owner on the car? Yes, I am. Okay. So when you first got the car were the brakes satisfactory? They worked okay? Yeah. Different yes. different different than they do now. Yes. Okay. I would
5: say different. And
4: yeah. then what did this mechanic do a year ago? Pads and rotors. He did uh, pads, rotors, calipers. Pads, rotors
5: and calipers. Okay. Calipers also.
4: Okay. And since on all four wheels. And since then it just doesn't feel right.
5: Um yeah, it's a little soft. Yeah. All right. Definitely.
4: Okay. And have you taken it back to him?
5: Um I have not. I, I didn't think anything of it until you know my wife said something about it last week um you know and so I probably need to take it back and talk to him but I didn't really I drive a lot of highway miles so I don't notice uh, I didn't notice yeah. the brakes.
4: Uh, hey, hey listen don't, you know, don't don't feel bad for not noticing yeah. all right you notice now okay yeah don't don't beat yourself up never apologize all right. Yeah. Um, you know, as as Gibbs says, right? It's a sign of weakness. I don't know if I agree with that, but I I get it. I know I understand what he's saying. Uh, you know, listen, take it back. It could be it could be a defective new caliper. It could be the system's not bled okay. properly. All right. Now now some of this could be. And here's here's like my my biggest nightmare when I do brakes is I get the car that had a seized rear brake caliper. All right. And it was seized in such a way that it just allowed it to apply the brake, but it didn't really retract like it should. And, you know, it's funny, as a caliper starts to bind and seize, sometimes it tends to give the car a better brake pedal than it normally has because it drags the brake a little bit and it's it's like right there on the rotor. And then you give them four new calipers or two new calipers and pads and you bleed everything and the pedal's just a little softer because now it's got a little bit of give to it. You know, it's it's um, the, the real number is is it like it was when it was new or is it worse? And that's really what we're shooting for here. So, and
5: I um I I I replaced the pads and rotors myself um a couple of times before I had them do it. And the reason I took it in to have someone do it is uh they were the rotors were warping right um and I'd get a heavy vibration right and. I decide you know what i am going to have a, a a professional look at it because what I'm doing is not working,
6: yeah
4: well, and it could could it could have also been the brand of rotor you're putting on there. How many miles are on this car, Patrick real quick hundred
5: and forty four thousand
4: you know the other thing the other issue we could have here is because the clock's going to grab me. Let me just say this let them go through, bleed the system, look at the calipers, everything dry, everything as it appears is there anywhere okay. is there anywhere in the pivot linkage of the brake pedal assembly itself? is there something wrong with the linkage going into the booster such that there's slop, you know, there's play in the linkage, okay. and as you step on the pedal, it takes that extra you know, eighth of an inch for it to make contact with the back of the booster and apply the brakes. Listen, let's start with the basics. Let him go back over what he did. Any okay. shop worth of salt is obligated to do that and he should. If you have any questions, if you still don't have it solved the way you want, call me back next week. I'm here for you. All right, but can, get him looked at. Can I
5: ask you one
0: more
4: Yeah, take it? Can you I ask what. you one more question? Stay on stay on the phone. Let me pull over and take this pause. We'll finish it up when we come back. I'm running any and the car, Doctor. We'll return right after this. Quarantine, the car doctor here bringing it home let's go back to patrick in illinois patrick you had a question real
6: quick bib
5: yes uh, when i pull into a parking lot or uh, hit a bump a good size bump it's very jarring i didn't know how long struts lasted if i should look at replacing my struts 144,000 miles yes yeah, i didn't know the lifespan
4: well, well simple test let's give it the knee test still works You know, go out, go out, take your knee, bounce the front of the car, bounce the back of the car. Does the car bounce, you know, wildly? Does it, you know, it'll go up and down once, twice, you know, or is it just, does it just sit there keep on rocking? You know, if it keeps on rocking.
5: It stops immediately.
4: Well, then it's not struts. You know, it's, it's, you, you know, I would look at them. Are they leaking? Do they look damaged? Are the springs okay? You know, the other thing it could be, you could have an issue if you've got, is it noise or is it a sensation? sensation sensation you could have a bad lower control arm all right the lower control okay. arms are notorious on those especially the rear bushing fail and they'll cause all sorts of you know it's it's like you'll hit the bump and the steering wheel feels like it's going to rip out of your hand uh you know if it's yeah, yeah it's it could be yeah <laughs> oh boy um, you know, it's, it's a, it's a bad, yeah, I know it's, it's funny how I do that. Right. Um, you know, it's just, it's bad lower control arms. Usually just take a look at it. Now don't, don't be, be ready for the price because if it's the one I'm thinking of, the motor mounts have to get pulled out in order to do the control arm bolts. And, um, it's every Ooh. bit, it's, yeah, it's a little bit of work and uh, a little bit of finagling in order to get them out. We just did a set yesterday on an older Camry. That um, took every bit of half a day between two guys and uh, one bay. It took a couple of four or five hours. So um, you know, one okay. side. One side. Now, obviously, that was an older car. Two of the bolts were seized, and um, you know, it took getting out the gigantic, or as we say, the gigundus snap-on breaker bar. And uh, as two guys pulled on it, I never saw a breaker bar actually move twenty-five degrees before it finally broke the bolt loose but now i know i pay the price for snap-on because their hand tools sure do take a beating so good luck here patrick let me know if you need more till the next time i want to remind each and every one of you that i appreciate you being here i'm ron Anani and any in the car doctor thanks for stopping by until that next time good mechanics aren't expensive they're priceless see ya.